Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to the Believe in Raiders podcast, the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackman. Pleased to be joined by former Raider great Stanford Route. Stan, Raiders hit the bye week with two straight losses after losing to the Kansas City Chiefs at home. The Raiders now 5-7 five and seven with five games to play. The new fresh car smell of head coach Antonio Pierce has worn off. The team is five games left in the season, Stan. So let me ask you this. What are a couple things you're going to be looking for, in particular, this final uh, month, or let's say month of the season? Just some uh, positive trajectory. That's really it. Uh, let's go ahead and see a maturation of Aiden O'Connell. Can we see the defense play up to the level that they did against the Giants and Jets? We know they're the Giants and Jets, but also the Miami Dolphins. Can they stay right there? Okay. You lose by two touchdowns to the Kansas City Chiefs. They spotted you 14 points. They're the reigning Super Bowl champions. They don't really have star receivers, but whatever. Head coach, tight end, quarterback, I get it. You got to accept that. But just do they look like they're headed in the right direction? That's the main thing I'm looking for. Uh, obviously, we see Josh Jacobs had a big uh, breakout game, so he still has it left in the tank. You just want to see if they're headed in the right direction. That's all. Stan, they've lost their last two. Do you still feel like they're headed in the right direction? See, the thing is, I think that um, I think that that question is so nuanced because were they headed in the right direction against the Giants and Jets or are the Giants and Jets just that sorry? So that's why one could make the argument two weeks ago, oh, man, they're headed in the right direction. They just won two straight games, but look who it was against. Well, you now have two games against the, what, number one scoring offense in the NFL, Miami Dolphins. The Chiefs obviously have had their struggles in the second half, things like that. But they're still the damn Chiefs. They still got Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, uh, Travis Kelsey. So because they lost to the Dolphins and the Chiefs, are they not headed in the right direction? Like, I think that you got to see the remaining five games of the season. You have to just because the first two games were two teams that were totally inept. The, five, the last two games were against two really good offenses. Missans, the Chiefs' second-half woes that they've had all season. but. I just I, I think you're going to have to see a bigger sample size to actually really make that determination. All right, just a couple of observations I got, Stan, before we get to the promo. Uh, against the Chiefs, the Raiders, Stan, they followed last year's pattern. They jumped out to an early lead, uh, then not being able to step on their opponent's neck. You know, I think right now it's a byproduct of coaching inexperience at the head coaching spot and at the offensive coordinator spot as well. Uh, still not enough playmakers and an inexperienced quarterback. Uh, I think it, those are the things that kind of pop out to me right now. I'll get your thoughts on that. Uh, Stan, just FYI on this one, an interesting nugget uh, I read, and it's just a statistic from today. Antonio Pierce is the 43rd interim head coach since 2000. You know how many have been retained? And think small, well, my man. I'm going to give you a hint. Think small. Well, I can remember Tom Cable. There you go. And I was going to hit you up on that one, yes. 2000, uh, 2009. Eight. Eight. Um, well, what well, 2008 he got the interim job, and then 2009 okay. was his you know first okay season right. without the interim tag. Um, 
Oh, do I know how many? I do not know how many. I would imagine it's not a large number. It's not. And I do not even, other than Tom Cable, because obviously he was my coach, I can't think of anybody specifically that I could say, oh, so-and-so was the interim head coach and then became, you know, the the permanent head coach uh, 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 thereafter. I, I can't think of anybody else. Stan, it's only 10. It's just 10. 10 out of 43. I mean, that's less than 25%. And I mean, I don't want to just throw Antonio Pearson in the numbers, but if you're just looking at the numbers alone, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't bold too well for him. But more on that in a second. Let me just get the promo read in there, and then uh, we can go ahead and move on. And Bet Online is your number one source for all your info, stats, news, and scores. Bet Online is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs: basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, right down to UFC and boxing. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options in your favorite casino and card games. You can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use the promo code BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And Stan, there ain't going to be any more starting for uh, veteran cornerback Marcus Peters. Uh, yeah. Team waved him on Monday. On Sunday, he and head coach uh, Antonio Pierce uh, seemed to have a spat on the sideline about midway through the second quarter after one yeah. of his Olay tackles. Um, you know, two had a brief exchange. Pierce walked away. Peters watched the second half on the sideline. Stan, do you think this is the right move and what kind of messages to send into the rest of the team? Well, I think the, for Antonio Pierce, with him being a linebacker, he's got a, a, a physical mindset. So, you know, those D linemen, those, those, those linebackers, they don't really take too kindly to a corner shine away from contact or something like that. And I say that because there's been times in my career where guys have gotten on me about that very thing. So, just off of that alone, he, that's not in his nature, like shying away from contact or not being involved in the run game, things like that. So he, that's never going to set well with him. And he just simply is not going to ever understand why somebody is not chomping at the bit to be a part of the physical part of uh, the game of football. So just off of that alone, you now do not have a GM. Technically, you have an interim, but you don't have a GM. Uh, in place right now, just like you have the interim head coach. So right now, Antonio Pierce has nobody else he has to answer to. So he gets into it with a certain guy. We're already five and seven. It's We're not going to the playoffs. At least it doesn't look like it. Hopefully maybe something happens, but it doesn't look like it. So right now, this is a part of Antonio Pierce, the same way that he immediately benched Jimmy Garoppolo for Aiden O'Connell as soon as he got the job. This is a culture move. I need my team to know, hey, that right there, it's not accepted. It's not going to be tolerated, period. So that was sending a message to all the younger guys showing, hey, I get it. Marcus Peters, he's had a great career, been to several Pro Bowls, ball hawking corner, first round pick, all of that. But we're building something here. And what he's doing, there's no place for that in what we're building. So we have to move on from him. So I took that as a culture transaction more than anything at all. You know, Stan, th there's a difference, though. I mean, I think you and I have talked about it a few times when it came to Marcus Peters. I mean, you could see there was no effort on the tackling. You, you said, I, I mean, I watched you play for the Raiders for, for seven seasons. I don't remember you doing any Olays, you know, trying to tackle uh, a ball carrier. And I know that you can say a lot of corners don't like to tackle. But, Stan, there's a difference between at least giving an effort, trying to throw your body in front of somebody, and just doing an Olay, right? Yes, no doubt about it. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And they – it's one of those things that, you know, obviously 
what a lot of people don't realize or understand, and this is for a lot of DBs, is that your number one job is to cover. You right. know what they call good tackling corners? They call them safeties. And the thing is, is that you're paid to cover. So for a lot of guys, and I mean, I, there's defense coordinators I've been around. I'm not going to say any. Uh, I'm not going to uh, say any names out loud on this podcast, or just higher ups, GMs, defense coordinators, head coaches, where they'll literally tell their guys in the secondary, "Hey, listen, if the run gets out to you on the edges, that means somebody up front didn't do their job. If the run is getting out to you, so I'm not expecting you to come up and tackle like Troy Polamalu because the ball shouldn't even be getting out there to your area, anyways. Now, obviously, if the ball gets out there, you got to get him down just for your teammates. But the thing is, is that for a lot of guys. They take on the mindset of, hey, man, listen, I'm here to cover because if I don't do that at a high level, they're going to get rid of me anyways. So I'm not going to sit over here and now try to go and blow this guy up, be some bone crushing tackler. And then I got a knockdown shoulder. And then, oh, yeah, the very next play, they try me on a nine route. And because I'm still a little woozy from coming up, making that tackle in the run game, I now can't go cover that nine route of that post pattern. Big play touchdown, go to commercial break, and oh yeah, now they're looking to go ahead and draft a corner in the first round because they feel like I can't stop the deep ball. So that's how a lot of guys feel as far as like, man, I'm going to pick my poison. You already want me to go and cover these guys who are getting faster and faster by the year, the Deshaun Jacksons to the Mike Wallaces to the Percy Harvins to the Calvin Johnsons to the DK Metcalfs and now the Tariq Hills. You want me to go out there and cover these guys? Oh, yeah, I need to be 100%, and I need to be having all of my extremities being right where they being right where they need to be at, and it's not going to be something that's easy to do if I'm coming up being a big factor in the run game because much like you don't want your quarterback taking unnecessary hits, you want those thoroughbreds over there to be able to run with those receivers. It's going to be very difficult for them to do that. So, you know, uh, obviously you got to come up and make tackles when they, whenever they come to you. You have to do that. Mm-hmm. But – for a lot of corners, that's not something that's high on their priority list because they feel that's not what they're going to be ultimately judged on anyways. Think about it. What do we talk about with the Raiders secondary? They don't get a lot of what? Interceptions. They don't get a lot of takeaways. We don't sit up here and talk about, man, you know, the Raiders secondary, they, just, they don't really stop the run well. We don't say that. You talk about the front seven, but you don't say – Man, you know, just they, they just have a lot of missed tackles on running backs. <laughs> you hear us talking about blown leads, yep. big plays, blown assignments, things like that. So for secondary guys, especially corners, that's the mindset that they take. Like, okay, I'm going to be judged against the pass anyways, not against the run. They look at that more as a blemish or like a pimple rather than it being something that's, uh, that's like a black eye or something major like getting beat on a deep ball. That's an interesting perspective. Never even thought about that. Hey, one more transaction from the Raiders. They also released uh, safety Roderick Teamer, who was arrested last Saturday on DUI charges. Teamer was a key special teams contributor the last couple of years with the silver and black uh, appearing in 33 games. All right, Stan, at this point of the season, we talked about it. The Raiders 5-7. and seven. It's going to take, I don't want to say a miracle, but a very unlikely run for them to try to get to the, get to the playoffs. So I'm a little curious or puzzled why, to me, it seems like their aggressiveness uh, they showed against the Giants and Jets. It's kind of disappeared against the Dolphins, against the Chiefs. And I got a couple examples, and I get my notes out here so I can remember in, in particular. And against Miami, they were trailing 14 to 10. The Raiders got the ball about two and a half minutes in the second quarter. Instead of trying to score, they ran the ball three times in a row. They punted, 
Then they got it back after the defense recovered a fumble at the Dolphins' 30-yard line. 58 seconds to go, two timeouts, and they just settle for a field goal. And obviously, they lose that one, 20-13. to 13. And then um, Sunday, uh, Stan, I was curious, they jump out to the 7-0 lead. They force a three and out. They march right back down the field, fourth and one from the Kansas City 23-yard line. They bypass going for it with seemingly all the momentum, and Daniel Carlson proceeded to miss a 30-yard field goal, which is inexcusable in itself because – Field goals don't beat the Chiefs, and missed field goals against them will certainly doom you, and that's yeah. what we witnessed. So is it is it, Stan, you played eight years in the NFL. Is it me just being a Monday morning quarterback, or to you, has this team been less aggressive the last couple of weeks? Uh, they might have been. You know, obviously, um, when you're playing against that higher-level talent, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, obviously, yeah, you might take on a little bit more of a conservative approach. And typically, even historically, Antonio Pierce is who? A linebacker, a defensive right. guy. Typically, historically, defensive-minded head coaches are a little bit more conservative. Offensive-minded head coaches like Kevin O'Connell, Andy Reid. Yeah. I can go all the way. I mean, let's look at Nick Sirianni. How many four downs do they go for? Like, oh, good goodness. Lord. So they have more of an optimistic, aggressive approach because they're offensive-minded. Defensive-minded guys, tend to be more conservative. They tend to, well, well why are we doing a, a double reverse pass? Whoa, 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 uh-uh. Hey, let's run the ball, get in good field position. If we don't get a first down, we'll punt it, pin them down. Let's go ahead and still win the field position game, things like that. That's just how defensive-minded guys think. And I think that uh, that's just something that comes with the territory. But I'm definitely right there with you. Going against the Miami Dolphins, the Kansas City Chiefs, you're thinking, let's make sure that we keep ourselves within striking distance. So if we can't score with them, let's always make sure that, you know what, let's keep them out of the end zone, play field position, be more conservative, not put ourselves in situations where we're going for something big. We wind up not getting it. They get a short field. They get a quick score, knowing that we can't match them blow for blow. I just think it it, it boils down to a lot of that. And at the end of the day, defensive-minded head coaches tend to be more error on the side of being conservative. Stan, you played eight years on the defensive side of the football. Now you're uh, an assistant coach at the college level. Is that your nature as well? Are you more conservative when you're coaching on Saturdays? Or how, what is your approach? I know you're not a defensive coordinator. Yeah. I know you're not a head coach. But which way do you tend to lean right now? You know, I think I'm probably kind of somewhere in the middle okay. where there's times where I'm conservative. And then there's other times where I think that you still have to be aggressive. You still have to take a chance. You still got to go ahead and try to take a shot. So it really just kind of depends on the situation, the setting, the time of the game, the feel, things like that. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit old school, but okay. I'm also at the age where I still understand the new school. So um, I'm probably a little bit of both, probably right down the middle. Um, it just depends on the situation. I'll say this. If I have a quarterback, if I got a team that I really believe in, uh, a star receiver, a stud quarterback where I really believe in them. You know what? I tend to be a little bit more aggressive because I'm thinking optimistically. If I don't have that, I'm probably going to be more conservative because you know what? I'm not really sure that we can go ahead and get this. So let's go ahead and be safe. But if you have a dog, if you've got some dudes out there, then obviously that raises your level of optimism. And then you tend to be a little bit more aggressive. So is Antonio Pierce being a little more conservative because Aiden O'Connell as you and I talked about, and I still have to remind myself this, he's a rookie. He's probably started, what, four games now? Five games now? 
Well, I mean, DA, you just answered your own question. Yeah. But let me ask you this, though, Stan. We've seen – I know he's a fourth-round pick. He doesn't have a lot of experience. <clears throat> but I think that's where we see, like – and, you know, Bryce Young has struggled. C.J. Stroud has been off the charts in your hometown there in Houston for the Houston Texans. I think – I guess it just all depends on the quarterback and the situation, right? Yes, it does. But also – and, you know, i got to make sure I give a shout-out. Um, so – Years ago, when I started coaching at the high school level, there was a guy by the name of Gerard Johnson who actually played quarterback at Texas A&M, played for a few teams in the NFL practice squad, things like that, that he actually is from Houston. He talked me into starting coaching high school ball where he was the offense coordinator at a private school out here in Houston, Texas, and then so forth. Here, you, here we are. I'm now coaching college ball several years later. He's the quarterback coach right now for the Houston Texans. So uh, I got to go ahead and definitely give him a big shout-out for the way C.J. Stroud has been playing for how he's had a seamlessly tr uh, seamless transition to the NFL where he's playing at a high level at a, as a rookie, obviously number two overall pick out of Ohio State. So he's no slouch uh, by any stretch. But I think uh, Gerard Johnson has definitely done a good job being the quarterback coach for the Houston Texans just based on everything that we're now seeing because the Houston Texans don't have a Pro Bowl receiver. They have a defensive-minded head coach and in D'Amico Ryans, but I think he tends to be a little bit more new school thinking as far as, okay, you know what? I know I'm defensive-minded, but let me go ahead and get a hot shot offensive coordinator. Let me go ahead and get a hot shot, very creative, innovative type of play caller, which is what he's done, bringing him over from uh, San Francisco. So I think that, uh, you know, certain quarterbacks just mesh well with certain systems. Other quarterbacks seem like they may not be the right fit. So I think that... uh. You look at Bryce Young, obviously, things aren't working right in Carolina. You look at Anthony Richardson, he's on the shelf right now for the Indianapolis Colts, but was playing well up until that point. I just think quarterback's the hardest position on the field, especially going into the NFL straight out of college. And you look at Aiden O'Connell being a fourth-round pick. He wasn't somebody that was just lighting it up in college with everybody expecting that to translate to the NFL. It's just going to take time, and I think that if you don't have that stud Caleb Williams, that C.J. Stroud, that Bryce Young, that Andrew Luck, you're going to naturally tend to err on the side of being conservative just because you're not sure that that guy can literally go out there, make every throw on the field, read every defense, anticipate, have a high-level processor where he's able to figure out what's going on in nanoseconds, still being able to deliver the ball on time. I think Aiden O'Connor will get there. But I think Antonio Pierce, knowing what he does know, being a former player, being a coach, being a Super Bowl champion, I just think that uh, he doesn't feel that Aiden O'Connell is ready to take that step. And that's why he's always going to try to not put him in a position where everything is on his shoulder because he doesn't deserve that yet. All right, final question for you, Stan. The Raiders are on the bye week. How did you spend your bye weeks as a player? It was Oh, man. Was it more of a mental break or a physical break? What did you look forward to most? Uh, probably more of a, probably both. Uh, we usually would be done that Thursday afternoon, something like that, have a morning practice, and then we'd be off, what, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, so I would, I would usually come back to Texas, go ahead, unwind, to recharge, things like that, maybe hang out with a few buddies. So I, I would just use that time to go ahead, rest my body, go ahead and maybe catch up on a little bit of extra film because I already know who my next opponent is after the bye week. Go ahead and kind of watch them a little bit, get a get a little bit of a jump. That's why they say Andy Reid is so good coming out of a bye week. 
just things like that. But um, that would really be it. I wouldn't do anything special. Just recharge, get my body and my mind back. Well, the Raiders will be back at it Sunday, December the 10th, hosting the Minnesota Vikings, who have now lost uh, two in a row after the Monday night loss to the Chicago Bears, an ugly 12-10 game. We'll see if the Raiders can snap that two-game losing streak and get back uh, going in the right direction under interim head coach Antonio Pierce. All right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. From my partner, Stanford Route, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening, and may all your punts find the coffin corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.